This morning we open God's Word in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 28. In chapter 27, you read about the Apostle Paul being on his way to Rome. He was on a ship. He was shipwrecked. He was on his way to defend his case before Caesar. He had appealed to Caesar, and there are several chapters dealing with that. 27 is about the shipwreck. 28 picks up the thread. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. That's where they ended up after being shipwrecked. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island called Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there we made a circuit and arrived at Rhegium. And after one day a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Petulioli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, 
and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers, in greater numbers. From morning till evening he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of God. The text is from Acts chapter 28. The verses 30 and 31. These concluding words of the chapter and the book. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Dear congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, it hardly seems like an appropriate ending to a book, does it? Often the books of the New Testament end with some kind of a greeting, some kind of a concluding statement, something that wraps it up. But not this book of Acts. It ends with this open-ended statement about the Apostle Paul preaching the gospel in Rome. And we might be puzzled by that, but it's really a very important ending. And it's full of meaning. It gives us tremendous encouragement to look at this open-ended ending, which leaves us with this enduring picture of the Apostle Paul in Rome preaching the gospel. And we're going to look at that this morning, this open-ended ending. And we'll see that it has two aspects to it, a royal aspect and a triumphant aspect. I think that in order for you to understand the importance of this conclusion, you need to understand how this book begins. The book of Acts begins in chapter 1 by referring to Jesus Christ. We need to be aware that the book of Acts is not about people who went out with the gospel. It's not 
a book which gives us biographical information about Peter or Paul. It's about the Acts of the Lord Jesus Christ. The heading in the Bible says the Acts of the Apostles, but really it's about the Acts of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Apostles. And the book sets the tone right in the opening verses when it says in the first book, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he is taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. In the first book, Luke, who is the author of this book, dealt with what Jesus Christ did while he was on this earth. The implication is that in this second book, Luke is going to deal with what the Lord Jesus Christ did after his ascension into heaven. And you know, probably, that in chapter 1, we read about the ascension of Christ into heaven. But just before he ascended into heaven, he laid out the program for the spread of the gospel. And that program for the spread of the gospel is, at the same time, the structure for the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts follows the spread of the gospel through the world. So we read in verse 8 that our Savior said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so that tells us what the book of Acts is about. It's about the Acts of the Ascended Christ as he oversees the spread of the gospel beginning in Jerusalem and extending to the end of the earth. And if you see that about the beginning of this book, then you will also begin to understand the importance of the ending. We read in Acts 28 that the Apostle Paul arrived in Rome. I already mentioned that he had appealed to Caesar. He was on his way to Rome, but he was shipwrecked. They ended up on the island of Malta. They were well received there. They were given provisions, and they carried on their way. And chapter 28 tells us that Paul arrived in Rome. But we read a very interesting little detail in chapter 28, and it's even before our text, but it certainly ties in with our text. In verse 15, we read that some people went out to meet him as he was approaching Rome. Verse 15 says, And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. Now, that was very nice of them, wasn't it? They heard Paul was coming and they went out to meet him. They were excited to meet him. But there was a lot more going on here than just enthusiasm and excitement. We're even told how far they went to meet Paul, the Forum of Appius and three taverns. That's about 65 kilometers from Rome. Now, for us to jump in the car is not too bad. It was 27 kilometers from my home in Burlington to Ancaster. But to do that kind of travel in the days of the Apostle Paul was a long trek. And it was 65 kilometers. That was quite a trip. 
Now that was done in the spirit of what was done in those days. In those days when an important person came to Rome, let's say a person who was of great stature, this person would be met along the way and he would be hailed as someone important and he would be brought into Rome as an important dignitary. Certainly if Caesar had come from some conquest, they would go out and meet him and would bring him into Rome and there would be all kinds of acclaim. Well, that's what you have to read between the lines here. Here was the Apostle Paul on his way to Rome as the ambassador of King Jesus. And they went out to meet him because the Apostle Paul was also on a conquest. A conquest with the gospel, not with the sword, not with violence, but with the word of God. And the word of God was conquering the world. The Lord Jesus has said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The word was going all over the place. And now the word was coming to the heart and center of the then known world, the ends of the earth. Rome was was where it was heading. And Paul was received as an important dignitary, as the ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom of Jesus Christ was coming to Rome. And then we read that Paul stayed in his own place at his own expense. He was chained, we read that too. But he had this special and privileged position. It's very surprising. He was allowed to stay in his own place for two whole years with a soldier guarding him. Today we would say it was like a prisoner who had some electronic surveillance gadget on him. He could come and go, but they watched him. And he could receive people. This meant that Paul had tremendous freedom and this opened possibilities for the gospel in Rome. Paul had gone to Rome to have an audience with Caesar. He had appealed to Caesar and he was going to stand before Caesar to make his case. We say that, don't you? You know that saying, don't you? Uh, if someone has an audience with the king or with the pope, that's a very special occasion. We say that such a person has an audience with the king or with the pope. Well, Paul was going to have an audience with Caesar. But now here's that royal aspect again. Not only did they go out to meet him as he came closer to Rome and to bring him in as a dignitary. But here he was in Rome in his own place, receiving people, holding court with people, having an audience with people. Paul had gone to have an audience with Caesar, but while he was in Rome waiting, he was having people come to him. And they were having an audience with him. So here was Paul as that dignitary, that ambassador for the gospel of Jesus Christ in Rome, 
doing things on behalf of the Lord Jesus, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what you have to read into this important ending of the book of Acts. He welcomed all who came to him. He held court with them. And we're even told that he gathered together the local leaders of the Jews. Verse 17, after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. He called them together. He didn't say, oh, will you please come here? He called them together. There's something authoritative about that because he was an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, the king. That's truly amazing. And we read that he proclaimed the kingdom of God, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. Here Paul was in Rome, the heart of the Roman Empire, the center of that military power, that economic power, that cultural power. He was at the center of it, and he proclaimed the kingdom of God. The message was that the Roman Empire was not decisive. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus is decisive. And that's something we need to remember today too. Political persons think that they hold the reins of this world in their hands. They think that in the Kremlin and they think that in Washington. They also think it in Korea and Iran. They think that they hold the reins of this world in their hands and it's all dependent upon them. But the Apostle Paul was in Rome proclaiming the kingdom of God. And what was true then is true today too. Caesar's rule was not decisive. The rule of Jesus Christ was decisive. What they do in the Kremlin and in Washington ultimately isn't what calls the shots. What King Jesus decides in heaven calls the shots. And we read that he was teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord. Maybe you know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except through the Holy Spirit of God. That was an early Christian confession. Jesus is Lord. And that was an important confession in that day because what was the common saying in the Roman Empire? Caesar is Lord. And here was the Apostle Paul at the heart of the Roman Empire teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ and teaching them that Jesus is Lord. Nero was the emperor on the throne at this time. And he was that all-powerful man who thought he was it. He thought he called the shots. He thought that he was in control. But... Paul was in Rome proclaiming, Jesus is Lord. And that's what we need to remember today, too. Big shots in the world today who hold tremendous political clout think they rule the world. 
But the Bible says Jesus ascended into heaven. He took a seat at the Father's right hand. He was clothed with all authority and power in heaven and on earth, and He holds the reins of this world in His hands. That's tremendously encouraging for the church. And this is what the Apostle Paul proclaimed in Rome at the heart of the empire. And we read here the full name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that each one of those words entails is included in our text. He proclaimed the full gospel about the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, whose name means Savior, Savior. They thought Caesar was their Savior. They thought that the Pax Romana would save them. They thought that their future was secure in the Roman Empire. But the message of the gospel is that we have a special peace that Jesus brought about. Jesus the Savior by coming into the world to establish peace between God and man. It's the gospel of reconciliation. The gospel that brings fallen sinners back to the holy God. It's the gospel which tells us that Jesus is the one anointed to be our Savior foreordained by the Father before the foundation of the world, manifested at the fullness of time, born under law to save those under law. And so Jesus Christ came into the world. He came as the one who fulfilled all righteousness for us and who laid down His life on the cross because of all our sins. He laid the foundation for that kingdom by shedding His blood. And then on the third day, he arose from the grave. The shackles of sin, death, and Satan couldn't hold him. Paul may have been chained in Rome as a prisoner for the gospel, but the gospel wasn't chained. And you see that in Rome as Paul freely taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Savior broke from the grave on the third day as the victor over sin, Satan, and death. And then he ascended into heaven where he took his seat at the Father's right hand and was clothed with all authority and power in heaven and on earth. And he rules all things as, as the one who will bring everything to completion at the day of his return. He laid the foundation for the kingdom he broke the hold of the devil's kingdom when he arose from the dead and he is seated on the throne in heaven overseeing all things for the Father. The kingdom is coming. And the Apostle Paul was preaching that in Rome. And that's the gospel they needed to hear. That's good news. Gospel means good news. That's the good news they needed to hear. The gospel about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of the world. The gospel about the kingdom of God. And it was preached in that pagan world. It was preached at the heart of the empire. And that's the gospel that our world today also needs to hear. People think that they themselves can establish a future for themselves. People look to strong personalities, powerful political figures to rescue them. 
But the Bible says there's no future apart from Jesus Christ. People in our Western world, which has become so secularized and man-centered, need to hear about Jesus Christ, who's the one and only Savior, and who gives us hope. Everybody is looking for hope. Everybody is looking for that inner peace. Everybody is looking for a lasting future. The gospel preaches all of that to us. And we receive it all by grace through faith because of Jesus Christ. Well, there you see something about the royal aspect in this open-ended ending of the book of Acts. And it holds out tremendous encouragement for us. Lots of comfort. There's also a triumphant aspect. We're told that he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. Welcomed all who came to him. By the way, you might be wondering, what does this mean at his own expense? He was a prisoner. He wasn't working. How could he pay the rent? Well, I think the answer to that question is simply that the congregation of believers in Rome paid for Paul's expenses. Don't forget, there was already a congregation there. And Paul had already written a letter to them. And they knew about him, and they came to meet him. They welcomed him. They took care of him. And he welcomed all who came to him. All who came to him. I think there's also a lesson in that for us today. He consolidated the church in Rome. There was a fledgling church there. He consolidated it. They came to him. He advised them. But he also welcomed everybody else, unbelievers, people of diverse background. He welcomed them all and spoke to them about the Lord Jesus. It's a very welcoming picture, and I think we can learn from that today, too. The church should be welcoming, willing to have a conversation with anybody of whatever background. But it says... For two whole years he lived there and welcomed all who came to him. And you hear something of the amazement about this. It's not for nothing that it just doesn't say he lived there two years at his expense. It says he lived there two whole years and welcomed all who came to him. There's a surprise here. The gospel was going to the ends of the earth. It was going to Rome, the center of that unchristian and anti-Christian empire. And surprise, surprise, it went quite well for Paul. Better than expected. There were possibilities. Because the Lord Jesus, about whom we read in Acts chapter 1, made his presence felt in Acts chapter 28. He was on the throne, and he was directing all this. He turned this negative situation into a positive situation for the Apostle Paul and for the advance of the gospel. For two whole years, he was able to welcome everybody who came to him. 
two whole years in which the gospel had possibilities that no one had ever thought of. And there you hear something of the triumphant aspect of our text. The gospel triumphed. Jesus Christ triumphed there at the heart of the empire. And Paul proclaimed the gospel boldly. It says, with all boldness. Again, it's an emphatic statement. It doesn't just say boldly. It says, with all boldness. That didn't come from him, that boldness. That came from the Lord Jesus. It came from the Holy Spirit. At the heart of the empire, Paul spoke about the hope that is in Christ. And that is not easy. We experience that today, too. We live in a world which is increasingly unchristian and anti Christian. And it takes some boldness to speak up for Christ, to say that you're a Christian. Even just to say that is quite a breakthrough. That takes some boldness. And that doesn't come from us. We need to pray for the Holy Spirit to give us that boldness so that we use the opportunities that we have to speak about the hope that is within us. And it says then that Paul did all of that without hindrance. Without hindrance. That's amazing because here he was at the heart of the empire and he was able to do this. Now think about everything else that you may have read in the book of Acts. Time and again, almost at every turn in the road, you read about the apostles facing opposition. They faced opposition from God's own covenant people, the Jews. That's why Paul was on his way to Rome. They had opposed him in Jerusalem. They'd wanted to get him. And then Paul had to appeal to Caesar. The Gentiles opposed him as he went to various cities on his missionary journeys. There was opposition almost at every turn in the road. But when Paul got to Rome, where you think it would be awful for him, there's this tremendous surprise. The book of Acts leads up to the gospel going to Rome. Acts chapter 28. There he is at the end of the earth, the then known world, at the heart of the empire. And you think, now it's going to be awful. And what happens? There's this big surprise. There's a big surprise at the end of Acts because Paul was able to proclaim the gospel boldly and unhindered. And in case we miss the point, the book of Acts makes sure we get it. You know how? The very last word in this book is the word unhindered. And that's not just because of the English translators. That's in the Greek. The very last word in this book is the word unhindered. And that's meant to make us sit up and pay attention. It's completely amazing. If there's any big surprise in the book of Acts, it's this conclusion. 
The gospel was preached in Rome unhindered. The Lord Jesus was in control, and he opened these possibilities. And that's meant for our encouragement. Here's the triumphant aspect. The gospel continued to make progress. It went on in triumph. No matter the circumstances, the Lord Jesus turned those circumstances around to his own advantage. And he gave Paul possibilities right at the heart of the empire. The time in Rome was well used. And we see that today too sometimes too, don't we? Sometimes we think, oh, that's only going to get terrible. And then when we're there, suddenly things turn out a lot better than we ever thought. The Lord closes one door, and while he closes one door, he opens another door. Our missionaries experience that as they go to bring the gospel to faraway places. When a door is closed, sometimes we're really disappointed. Oh, that's too bad. But then all of a sudden, because one door closed, we have to look for something else, and we find something that even gives us greater possibilities. That's how it goes sometimes. That's the big surprise. And you see in that that the Lord Jesus is in control. And that's what we have to see at this very last chapter of Acts. Because this open-ended ending is supposed to make us look far into the future. There's really no ending in Acts. There's no conclusion. There's no wrap-up because the history of the gospel isn't finished yet. This open-ended ending is meant to make us think about the gospel continuing to go out. And it does continue to go out. We have this enduring picture of the Apostle Paul in Rome preaching the gospel boldly and unhindered, and yes, I know that the Apostle Paul would eventually die. He would leave this imprisonment, this first Roman imprisonment, and then he would go out and preach the gospel in various places. There would be another imprisonment, and eventually the Apostle Paul would die. But Acts is about Paul at this point, and it shows us this picture of the gospel continuing to go out. And there's the encouragement for us because the gospel still continues to go out. It's not finished, and it won't be finished until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. When he comes in glory as the King of kings and Lord of lords to bring the kingdom of God in all its fullness, when heaven and earth will be united and all God's people of all times and places will be together with their Savior, then the fullness of the kingdom will be here. And until that day comes, the gospel will continue to go out unhindered. And if we sometimes are worried about our own circumstances, if we are worried about our Western world, if you're worried about your children or your grandchildren, yes, there's reason for concern, but the victory is ours. Jesus Christ is on the throne, and the gospel will be triumphant. And the future is in our Savior's hands. We are more than conquerors, 
and the gospel will go on. That's the encouragement in this open-ended ending. Amen.